Welcome to my weekly Parsha share. Thank you so much for tuning in or for watching this on YouTube or listening to this on SoundCloud. Don't forget that you can subscribe to my YouTube channel by clicking on the icon at the bottom of your screen. Or you can, uh, you can also subscribe on SoundCloud to make sure that you never miss one of the shiurim. Uh, but it's a pleasure to be able to share some Divrei Torah with you this week on Parshas Vayechi. And this week's shir is in memory of a school friend of mine who very unfortunately, 26 years ago, uh, was killed in a car accident. His name is Uri Perlman, Rab Uri Ephraim ben Rab Yosef Yitzchok. His Neshamash Daben Aliyah, we should be zeicher to see Tchias HaMesim. And this shir is dedicated Le'ilui Nishmosoi. Parshas Vayechi is the parsha when Yaakov Avinu passed away. He died. And before he died, he called together all his children. I'm going to read you the Pasuk. Yaakov el Yaakov called together his children, his sons. He said, Gather yourselves together so that I can tell you what will befall you in the end of days. And he goes on to give each and every one of the children of his sons, a bracha that's specifically dedicated to them. The Mea Shiloyach, the Ishbitzer, comments on this introductory posuk. He says it doesn't say, like it says in the case of, uh, for example, Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu, the last parsha of the Torah, is called what? You know what it's called. The Zois Habrocha. The Zois Habrocha Sheberach Moshe. This is the blessing that that Moshe blessed the Jewish people with when he finally was, a, he was about to depart this world. He wanted to give them a blessing. But that's not what it says with Yaakov Abinu. Here it says, It doesn't really speak about brachas. And in fact, we're going to see in a minute that some of the things that he said uh, couldn't be considered by any stretch of the imagination to be brachas, and we really need to delve deeper into them to understand them in the context of blessing. Vayikra Yaakov Abonov says the Meha Shiloyach, the Ishbitza, he says as follows, Kasherotza Yaakov Avinu Levarches Bonov. When Jacob Yaakov Avinu wanted to bless his children, he was actually in two minds whether or not he should actually give them a blessing. Why? He recalled that they had sold Yosef, that they had been involved in this egregious act where they had sold their brother. Are they worthy of receiving a blessing if they sold their brother? And there's a Gemara, the Gemara says, the Gemara says as follows, the Gemara says, If you are a Talmud Chacham, if you are a great Torah scholar, if you're a holy and righteous person, and you don't take revenge when you have been offended, you've been deliberately targeted in an offensive manner, not just any in any way, like a snake, then you can't be considered in that status of being a Talmud Chacham, of being a righteous individual. In other words, you must stand up for yourself. Yaakov Avinu, who was the greatest person of his generation, had been gravely offended, had been gravely hurt by his son's act towards him, by them selling Joseph, his son. They had committed this grave act. He was separated from Yosef for 22 years. And 
as a result of which he should really show some level of um, anger towards them. How could he do that? By not giving them the blessing that he was about to give them. So he was in two minds. Should he or should he not give them the blessing that he was about to give them? As a result of this equivocation on Yaakov's part, it doesn't say like it says with Moshe Rabbeinu v'zoi sabrocha. It says Vayikra. He called them together. He needed to still consider when they were together with him, gathered whether or not he should give them the blessing. Loshein tsa'oka v'kivu There's there's some element of harshness involved in the language of Vayikra. He called them. He kind of summoned them. He didn't say to them in a loving fashion, I want to, um, uh, he, he, I want to gather you together to give you a blessing. Vayikra. He was still in two minds as to what he was going to do. Because he was still in two minds. He wanted to see what would happen when the boys were in front of him, the men. They were already by this time, they were old men. He was a much older man, but they were old men and he was going to call them together. He wanted to see what would Hashem put in his mouth. Would Hashem allow him to say a blessing, to utter blessings to his sons? And until he knew for sure, he wasn't going to make any commitment as to what he was going to say in terms of blessings or otherwise. And that's why the, the language, the, the, um, the word bracha isn't used in the introduction here to the parsha Perik uh, Memtes of Sefer Bereshis, it says, Vayikra Yaakov Abonav. It doesn't say Vazoi Sabrocha as it says with Moshe Rabbeinu at the end of the Torah. Because at that stage, he's still not quite sure what he was going to say to them. That I wanted to present to you as a platform, as an introduction to the fact that Yaakov Avinu was totally conscious of what he was about to do. Was it going to be a blessing? Was it not going to be a blessing? How was he going to relate to um, to the boys when they were in front of him, to his sons? Was he going to convey words of blessing or otherwise? And if we look at the initial psukim, if we look at the uh, pronouncements he made that we refer to as brachas, to Uvein, Shimon and Levi, we see that those pronouncements could not by any stretch of the imagination be described, be defined as blessings. So let's actually look at what Rashi says at, towards the end of the parsha on uh, of Perik Memtes, he says as follows, This is what their father said to them, and he blessed them. So at the end of the parsha, it refers to what had previously been mentioned as blessings. Says Rashi as follows, There were among the um, Shavotim, among the sons of Yaakov Avinu, there were those whom he did not bless, but in fact, the, he rebuked them. He reproached them. That's what the word kinturon means. Elokach perushoi. So how are we to explain this? Says Rashi. Talmud 
Bamashma. You might think as a result of that which we've seen in the parasha that he never blessed them. You should know that that which is recorded in the parasha is something he said to them. But at some point, which is not mentioned here, that and Rashi is clearly concerned by the fact that it's being referred to in the parasha as a blessing, but there's no blessing here. And as a, as a result of that, Rashi feels compelled to inform us that there's there are uh, bits missing from this uh, narrative, namely the actual blessings that Yaakov Avinu gave to his son. The that there is um, there are blessings which he gave to his sons that are not mentioned in the parsha, and Rashi wants to say that that explains why the initial psukim, which seem to be very harsh, very severe, very difficult, they seem to be termed in in a language of rebuke that that shouldn't be considered the blessing that the blessing actually occurred separately and in uh, and in words that are not recorded in parshas vayechi i'm not going to uh, continue on that vein other than to say that rashi continues ish kavir kosai the, p- the posse continues ish kavir kosai every man according to his blessing according to the blessing that was to come in the future to each and every one of them rashi wants to say that the posse is hinting at the fact that they were blessed and that that blessing was conveyed to them and that it happened to them at some point in the future and it's not recorded here in Parshas Vayechi. Okay, that's Rashi's Pshat. That's a literal interpretation and we're going to see that Rashi has actually an interpretation of the blessing so-called of Reuven that um, is very harsh and very severe and very difficult to understand. But we're going to go through that, we're going to try and understand it and we're going to then see one of the most remarkable Chassam Seifers that I have ever seen. Chassam Seifer, Moshe Seifer, born in Frankfurt, and he was later thereof in Mattersdorf. He was a Talmud of the Balaflor, he was a Talmud of the Nesher. He later became thereof in Pressburg, and he became one of the first Gedoyle Hador in the sense that he was considered to be the oracle of Orthodox Judaism at a time when Judaism was going through a very difficult period with the advent of Reform Judaism and with the advent of secularization, the Enlightenment, that the Chassam Sofer was a beacon of Jewish light in a world which was immersed in darkness, immersed in a spirit that was overtaking the, uh, the Jewish traditions that had hitherto been the dominant force of Jewish life. The Chassam Sofer is going to tell us something about Reuven's Brocha, which is, I'm telling you, one of the most remarkable Chassam Sofers I've ever seen. I want to thank, in fact, Rabbi Uren Reich, who regularly sends out a, a podcast. He sends a podcast out of the Chassam Sofer, and he sends a podcast out of the Meshe Chochmah. I listen to it every week. But this week, when I heard the Chassam Sofer that he shared, I felt the need to share it with my audience as well. You don't have the podcast of Rabbi Uren Reich, and that's why I felt that I should share it with you. So I want to thank him for having uh, for having shared it with the WhatsApp group that I'm on, so that I can share it with you. And this is the posuk which contains the so-called bracha, the blessing that was received by Reuven from his father Yaakov Avinu. Reuven b'chayri atta. He begins as follows. It's very poetic, by the way. The language that Yaakov Avinu used is extremely poetic. Reuven b'chayri atta. Reuven, Reuben, 
You are my firstborn. You are my might and the first fruit of my vigor. Yeser se'es v'yeser oz. Exceeding in rank and exceeding in honor. Very strange. What does he mean? We're not quite sure what he means, but here he comes to the crux of the matter in the next posuk. This is posuk Dalad of Perik Memtes. Pachaz kamayim. You are uh, um, unstable like water. Al-toisar. You shall excel no longer, because when you mounted your father's bed, you brought disgrace when you mounted my couch. What does he mean? What exactly is this? First of all, can you sense in those words any idea that could be understood as a bracha, as a blessing? I, I can't. I mean, if you read those words, they don't appear to be in any sense of the word bracha. You can't, you know, bracha is, I want to give you a bracha, that you should be matzliach, that everything you should do should be successful, that you should always be able to achieve all your objectives, etc. That's what a bracha is. A bracha might be in a specific thing. A bracha might be because somebody is sick, you give them a bracha, you should get better, you should have a refuah shalema. Can you sense any idea of bracha in these words of Yaakov Avinu to Uvein, his oldest child? I want, to, I want to just share with you, Rashi actually conveys the literal interpretation of these psukim, um, these two psukim about Uvein, and he says it in such a way that we can understand it because the uh, actual uh, translation of the words of, these, of this bracha can't be understood at least not in a literal sense, but to get some sense of the, at what we call in, um, when we look at uh, psukim, it's called the poshut pshat. How do we understand the meaning of the words? If we're looking for the meaning of the words, what does it actually mean? That's what Rashi is trying to convey to us. Uh, and let me read it to you. Reuven says his father Yaakov, Bechoyri ato. You are my oldest son. You should be the Bechoyer. Bechoyri ato. Koichi vereshis oini. I gave you the Kedusha, the sanctity that would enable you to be the Bechoyer, to be this Bechoyer, this designated Bechoyer, the oldest child, and whatever that status means. And even more than that, Yeser se'es the yeser oz. You deserve the kahuna. You deserve to get the priesthood from all your brothers. And you deserve the malchus. You deserve to get the royalty. No one had a more promising future than you, Reuven. You were going to get the bechaira. You were going to get the kahuna. And you were going to get the malchus. You're getting everything. But you lost it all. Why? Pachas kamayim, because you showed hastiness like water that's running, that's flowing. When you moved around the bed of your father, al toisar, and therefore you have no advantage over your brothers. Even though you were the first, b'chayriyata, you have no advantage over your brothers. Ki alisa mishkeve avicha, you moved your father's bed. From Bilha's tent, Bilha was Rochel's 
um, maidservant, and she was the concubine of Yaakov Avinu. And when Rachel died, the bed was moved into the tent of Bilha, and Reuven was offended for his mother's dignity, for his mother's self-respect, and he moved the bed, Yaakov's bed, from Bilha's tent to Leha's tent, and you moved your father's bed, says Yaakov, you know, he knew what happened. He moved the tent from Bilos' tent to Leos' tent. You thought you were just adjusting your father's sleeping arrangements, but you didn't understand. You had no concept. Oz chilalta yutsui Allah says the apostle. That's what Yaakov Avinu is telling his son. You forgot that God's presence is present over my bed. The Shekhinah is over Yaakov Avinu's bed. How did you think that you had the right to get involved in moving my bed and disrupting the Shekhinah? Clearly, this is due to, due to the fact that Pachas Kamayim, that you are somebody who's hasty, you're far too hasty, and you're impulsive in the way that you behave. And someone who is impulsive cannot be entrusted with any of the three leading roles of Bnei Yisrael. They can't be the Bechoyer, they can't have the Kahuna, and they can't have Malchus. That is the so-called Brocha of Yaakov Avinu according to the literal translation of the words as presented to us by Rashi. How in how in heaven's name are, to we under, are we to understand that this is a bracha that Yaakov Avinu, the dying father, is giving to his eldest son, to Reuven, just as he is about to die? How are we to understand that as a bracha? But we saw that the words, it says, Vayavarech, he blessed. Okay, we know that Vayikra. So there is some ambiguity here, but how are we to understand this ambiguity, this tension between the words as they are presented to us and the fact that it is referred to as a bracha, as a blessing. And here is the chasam soifer. You're going to absolutely, you're going to adore this. You're going to find this remarkable and marvelous. The Chassam Soifer says something fantastic. Reuven may have lost the Bechayra. He may have lost the Kahuna. He may have lost the Malchus. But there's one part of Avoidas Hashem that he never lost and in which he truly excelled and behind the literal meaning of the words Yaakov Avinu is conveying another meaning. There's another translation here. There's another interpretation here, which is the most powerful bracha that anyone can get. A praise that is completely unique to Reuven. It's completely unique to the individual that was receiving it from his father, Reuven. And it is something which is a parallel to the fact that he was a failure, because in one sense and in this sense, he was totally unique and he became the paradigm for all time as to how one should behave. Reuven b'chayri ato, says the Chassam Soifer, nire afal pisha beloshen kinter ama, even though he seems to be expressing himself, that Yaakov Avinu is expressing himself in a loshen of rebuke, he's expressing himself in a, in a manner that seems to be telling Reuven off for his behavior. There is hinted within those words an incredible blessing. 
because as it says at the end of the parasha, at the end of Memtes, and we quoted it earlier, each according to their to that person were they blessed. We know the Reuven's blessing must have been a blessing. So where is the blessing? How are we to, are we to understand from the words that Yaakov Avinu uttered that there is a blessing here? V'hine Isa b'medrash. There is a medrash, and if you look at the slichas of Tom Gedalia, it is mentioned, it's a very, very powerful midrash. What does it say? Listen to this. God said to Reuven, this is obviously, it's an imaginary conversation, but it's, it's so powerful. God says to Reuven, he's focusing on Reuven and he says as follows, you opened the concept of Teshuvah. You created, you initiated the concept of repentance. You were the first. You were the first one to realize that there is such a concept of Teshuvah. I promise you that your descendant is the one that is going to open up with this concept of Teshuvah before anyone else. How do we know this? Because we have a prophet called Hosea, Hosea and he says as follows. Hosea ben Be'eri, Shuvah Yisrael. He is the one that comes up, by the way, Shabbos Shuvah, we say this, Haftarah Shuvah Yisrael, return, repent, Israel. The concept of repentance is in the mouth of the prophet Hosea. Why? Because Reuven is the father of Teshuvah. Reuven is the foundation of Teshuvah. Reuven is the one who initiated the concept of Teshuvah for the Jewish people. Listen carefully to what the Chassam Seifer says because it's incredibly powerful. Nira, Afal Notla It would seem that even though the Bechaira, the firstborn status, was removed from Reuven, because of the fact that he sinned, whatever it is that he did, he was no longer worthy of being the Bechoyer. Nevertheless, Mikol Mokoyim, Naseh Bechoyer L'Teshuvah. He never lost his Bechoyer status when it came to Teshuvah. He was the foundational figure when it comes to repentance, when it comes to doing Teshuvah. The Hizchil B'Teshuvah Tchilah, he was the first one ever in the Jewish nation from the family of Yaakov Avinu to do Teshuvah. Everything that we know about, about Teshuvah was learnt from Reuven. He was a person who regretted his actions and did Teshuvah for them. And therefore he is considered to be greater than any righteous individual because someone who does Teshuvah is considered greater than a Tzadik. Really? Yes, it's a Gemara. It's a Gemara in Brochus, Brochus Lamadalad Omid Base says that where there is a Baltashuva, no, uh, uh, no Tzadik Gomor, even the most righteous individual, cannot be in that place. A Baltashuva has a more powerful impact on the world than somebody who's never done anything wrong and is perfectly righteous. Nimtzot Tzadik Mukdam Bizman, 
Now, it could be that you'll say, what are you talking about? The tzaddik came first because they were a tzaddik before the Balchuva became a tzaddik. They were always a tzaddik. They never did anything wrong. He only came later. The fact that he's a tzaddik was later. Because it's not possible to become a tzaddik after you've been a chayte without doing the chayt first. You have to have sinned first in order to become the Balchuva and to be the tzaddik. So how do we explain this idea that in the place of a Balchuva a tzaddik cannot be? How do we understand that? It could be that he only became a tzaddik later. He is in a higher status in terms of his achievement. Do you know why? Because he's tasted chayt. Here's somebody who's been in that world that's imperfect and he's extricated himself from it or herself from it. They have managed to bring themselves out of the, the dark situation of hate, of sin. They've managed to emerge from that and become tzaddikim. It's all very well for somebody who's never had the uh, sin or tasted sin to remain a tzaddik. But for somebody who has tasted sin, who's been immersed in that world and to come out of it and say, I'm no longer a sinner. They are greater than the greatest tzaddik. They have achieved something that no tzaddik can achieve. Alkain Oma Yaakov Avinu, and therefore Yaakov Avinu tells his son Reuven, it's so powerful. You're going to love this. He says to his son Reuven, Reuven Bechairi Ato. Not you were my Bechair. You remain my Bechair. You are still my Bechair. You are my Bechair in Teshuva. You remain the most powerful emblem the most powerful paradigm, the most powerful example, exemplar of what it means to be a Baal Teshuva. You, Reuven, are still my Bechoyer. You may not be my Bechoyer in terms of other aspects of what it means to be a Bechoyer, but in terms of your leading example, you are Bechoyer in Teshuva. Voracious Oini. What does the word Oini mean? The Posik in Tehillim, in Tehillim Nuntes, Posik Gimel, it says, Poyel Oven, says the Chasam Soifer. You were a sinner. You started off racist Oini. You began as a sinner. Your beginning was as somebody who, done, who had done something wrong. But you then emerged from that status. And you exceeded, you, became, you, be, you exceeded your brothers in terms of having risen up out of this negative situation and you became a positive, a positive, the yes, the yes, and you became more than just the ordinary. You are mighty in terms of your ability to conquer the sin that you tasted. You became the Balchuva. And you should know, it doesn't matter. Somebody can be a Kohen, even the Kohen Godel. Somebody can be from the royal family. They can even be a Melech. They'll never reach your status of a Baal Teshuvah. They'll never get there. You are Yeser Se'es and you're Yeser Ho'oz. You see what the Chasm Sofa has done here? He's used the same language that was the language of rebuke. And he's turned that into a kind of a, a parallel translation, into a language of praise, into a language of building somebody up, 
you were the Bechayr. You might think that's a negative because you were the Bechayr and you were fantastic. You were headed for who knows what. You were going to be the superior member of the family. No, no, that's not what he's saying. He's saying that on one level, he's saying you failed. And on another level, he's saying you succeeded. The ultimate form of success. You're better than Kohuna. You're better than Malchus. Do you know why? Because you are a Baltashuvah. It's more important. It's more impressive. What you have achieved is much more impressive than being a king or being a Kohen or being a priest. You are a Baltashuvah. Look at your Uvein. Look at what you have become. Despite the fact that you lost everything, you have emerged more powerful and more impactful than any other one of your brothers. You should know that the fact, yes sir, the fact that the that this um, aspect of your personality, the fact that you did something that you were impulsive. Al-Toysar. Why? Ki im ba'achris. It doesn't come quickly. It's not something that emerges quickly. You should know some of the pachas kamayim. That may be something that you're known for because you sinned quickly. But the fact is, what you did is something that can never happen at the beginning. Because you can't become a baal before you've done an avera. And therefore, your pachas kamayim is something that is not related to the fact that ki oz oviv. It's only the oz in the future that you are able to change things around. It's only as a result of the fact that you moved around the bed of your father that you become what you are now. You have a unique status. Reuven, do you know who you are? You are the emblematic Balchuva. You are the hero of the Jewish people. You are the hero of Teshuva for the Jewish nation for all time. You're the first one to do it. And that's what it means when it says in the Medrash, it says uh, that you are Atta Posachta Bitshuva Tchila. You are the first one. You are the Bechoyer of Teshuva, which is why Hoshea becomes the Novi that is quoted in Tanakh as saying, Shuva Yisrael, you are the headquarters of Teshuvah for all time. Now, does that sound like something which is rebuke? Not really. That sounds like incredible praise. It's words of encouragement from his father. Now, it's couched in terminology that could be thought of as rebuke, but when you look at it again, you realize how incredibly powerful these words are in terms of building Reuven up. Reuven, you're special. Reuven, you are unique. Yes, you did something wrong, but as a result of doing that thing wrong, you have become better than all your brothers in one aspect. And this, by the way, is going to relate to something I'm going to say later on, which is that each one of the Shvotim, the bracha that they received from Yaakov Avinu, was not something which was just a random piece of information. It reflected a unique contribution that this Shevet, that this son of Yaakov Avinu was giving to the Jewish people, not just then, but for all time. And this idea that there's a range of contributions. It's not one. It's not uh, 
you know, the uniform. Being a Jew isn't uniform. You don't have to be the same Jew as everybody else. There's a Reuven, there's a Shimon, there's a Levi, there's a Yehuda, all the way through to Binyamin. Every single Shevet has something unique to offer to the Jewish people. And that uniqueness in terms of Reuven was his ability. He contributed this power of Teshuvah to the Jewish people for all time. Let's look at the Emes Yaakov over Abyakov Kamenetsky. He says he, he focuses on this aspect of the differentiation between the Shvatim, but the fact that all of these aspects have to come together. Yaakov called his sons and he says, gather together, I'm going to tell you something. He Come together, be together in a kibbutz, as it were, a, a, a commune is the word we use for kibbutz, but it doesn't really try to take it. It means gather together, be together, join forces with each other, and listen, B'nai Yaakov, listen, the sons of Yaakov. Says the Emes Yaakov, Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky, Zichroin Levrocha. I'm B'medrash Shekosa V'zeloshoin. The Medrash says as follows. V'rabbonon Omri, the rabbis inform us, you know what Yaakov Avinu was telling them right at the beginning when he introduced the idea of the brachas that he was about to give them? He told them about disputes, about disagreements, about arguments. He told them, whatever it is, whatever your differences may be, you always have to be one part of a larger whole. You have to belong to the group. That's what it means when it says, hey, osfu. That's what it means when it says, he kovtsu. Biur Hadvarim says, the Emes Liyakov as follows. I've already explained. Do you know what Yaakov had in mind when he was talking to his sons? Koidem Predose before he left this world. He wanted to, to focus on this faith that we need to have in the ultimate redemption that was going to occur. And therefore, he gave, you know, when you, when you have an army, you have an air force, you have a navy, you have the infantry, you have the tanks, you have all the different elements of the army, and they all come together, all focused on the same goal. They need to win the war. The same was with Yaakov Avinu. He sees before him 12 sons, each of whom has unique abilities, unique qualities, but he wants each one to focus on their qualities. He wanted to give them each their, their directions, their orders, as it were. He is now the, the commander-in-chief, and he wants to make sure that they get to the and in order to do so, each one of them has to focus on their tafkid, on their unique ability whether it's in terms of the Jewish nation or whether it's in terms of what they did in the land of Israel when they're going to inherit the land and eventually make it out of Egypt. Each one of them received specific direction. Each one of them receives the directions that they need to receive in order to understand what it is that they need to do, that they need to contribute in order to achieve the ultimate objective. 
uh, Klal Yisrael, the Jewish nation, according to what Yaakov Avinu thought, This is a very interesting idea. Yaakov Avinu understood that there's no such thing as uniformity in terms of a large group of people. People have different opinions. There's many different ways of achieving the same objective. And Yaakov Avinu realized that you can't, have, you can't tell everybody, okay, this is the only way to do it, and there's no other way to achieve this objective. He understood that each person has their own qualities and their own understanding of the way things should work, and that the fact that there's a difference of opinion doesn't mean that they have to divide into smaller groups. They can come together in one group, but they can still be in disagreement about the way to run things. They can be they have to live together as 12 separate tribes. There has to be differences between, there has to be, I guess, cultural differences, different ways of doing things between the 12 tribes of Israel. Each one of them and their particular unique characteristics even though they're different, they must be connected to the congregation. They must be connected to the larger whole. But what Yaakov Avinu was saying is don't try and take, don't try and um, uh, take over. Don't try and um, become what the other one is. You know, it, it, it's like if, if you're a lawyer, don't try and become an accountant. And if you're an accountant, don't try and be a doctor. And if you're a doctor, don't be a philosopher. You're, you are qualified specifically in your area of expertise. And you must remain totally focused on that area of expertise in order to achieve the broader objectives of the whole. If there is a doctor who cures people, they'll cure philosophers, accountants and lawyers. And if there's a lawyer who can make sure to advocate for people in difficulty, then it's going to help people who are doctors who need a lawyer. Now, if the lawyer wants to be a doctor and the doctor wants to be a lawyer, then suddenly everybody is in it for themselves. They don't need any other segment of society. Yaakov Avinu is telling you, you need different expertise. You need different elements, different segments of society. You need every single type of person, as, as Moshe Rabbeinu made so clear when he says, Atem nitzavim hayoim kulchem. At the end of Parshas of Sefer Dvarim, he talks to the Jewish nation. He says, even the water carriers, or let's put it in our language, the garbage collectors, they're as important as the doctors. We may not treat them that way, but if you don't have people collecting your garbage, then the garbage will pile up. If everybody in the world was a doctor, then you would never be able to get rid of your garbage. You need to be able to get rid of your trash. You also need doctors who can cure you. Every aspect of a society plays such an important role in the functioning of that society. And each one within their role is unique. And at the same time, they pull together to create the greater whole. And that is the, that's what Yaakov Avinu was telling his children. I'm now going to call you together. He to and Heosfu gather together. I'm going to tell you each your individual your individual qualities. Each one of you, as one as gathered together as you may be, have your unique quality, your unique um, uh, function in terms of the greater whole. And this is an interesting point. That was the reason why the Hasmoneans 
the Maccabees were punished, the Chashmanoim were punished. Why? Shebo'u Mishavet Levi. They came from the Leviim. They weren't kings. They shouldn't have been Ra'oi Lemalchus. That's not what they were meant to be. And when they took the royal status into their jurisdiction, because we know that Shevet Yehuda were the ones who were designated to be the royal family. It was not meant to be the uh, Shevet Levi, and when they took it, they got themselves into trouble. Their punishment was the worst punishment that we can even imagine. They were written out of Jewish history in terms of any, we don't know any uh, of any descendants of the Chashmanoim who are still active in the Jewish world. They were written out of the, um, yeah, they may exist in terms of our celebration of Hanukkah, but in real terms, in being part of the Jewish system, they're no longer there. Ki kola We know that the the descendants of the Chashmanoim were completely obliter obliterated from the Jewish world. They no longer exist. And that's because they, they took over, they invaded the territory of another Shevet. Each Shevet got its own Tafkid so that they can pull together, each of those Tafkidim can pull together to be part of a greater whole. For Omna. And as we've already mentioned, even though each one of those Shavotim received their particular um, skill, as it were, they were designated for what it was that their function should be in terms of the Jewish people. They must never forget that just because they've got their individual qualities, let's say Yehuda is the one that's the royal family, Levi is the one that's the kahuna, they, they are the ones who have to look after the temple duties, etc. And Yusachar is the one that has to take care of the study of Torah. And Zvulun is the one who has to take care of supporting the study of Torah. Each one has their own tafkid in terms of what they have to be. And we said before, Reuven is the one who's meant to convey this concept of teshuva. Each shevet has their unique capability that they have to convey or that they have to bring to the table in terms of the Jewish nation they mustn't forget, must never forget that they are part of a greater whole. They must respect, they must honor the way of the other Shvotim in terms of how they conduct themselves in the service of God. It's specifically so that they can focus and underline and underscore this particular aspect of the Jewish world, of, of, of the Jewish people. In other words, He wanted them to know this, and that's why he called them together using the word heosvu, gather together, come together, be together. You're different. You might separate if you, you, if you weren't told that it's important to be together. However, says Yaakov Avinu, heosvu, be together, he kobtsu. Be together. Be part of a greater whole. Don't think that your unique characteristic, your unique selling point, your USP makes you special and separate 
and therefore the rest of Klal Yisrael is not important. No, you can function in your function and they function in their function and each function is important as part of the greater whole. Each one of the Shvatim was, was addressed by Yaakov Avinu according to their unique ability, their unique characteristic, but always as part of a greater whole. And this is why Yaakov said to each one of them, that's why they're all there together. They need to hear what it is that the other brothers specialize in. What's their specialty? What is, their, what is the fact, what is the aspect of who they are that makes them unique and makes them so important in the united vision that we have for each other and for the future. And therefore they should all be, they didn't call them in separately. He didn't say, come in you and others should be behind a closed door. No, gather all together. Uvein, you're Mr. Tshuva. Yehuda, you're Mr. Malchus. Levi, you're Mr. Kohuna. Yisochar, uh, Zvulun, you're Mr. Torah, you're Mr. Supporter of Torah. That it, he didn't say it to them separately, he said it to them all together, that they could all hear what it was that their unique abilities were, and to understand that it's always part of a good, that we have to pull together to be part of a greater whole. Kach, even though you mustn't try, you sochar, you mustn't try and be zavulun, and zavulun, you mustn't try and be yisochar, and Yehuda, you shouldn't try to be Levi, and Levi, you shouldn't try to be Yehuda, but nevertheless, you need to know what each one is in order to understand what their unique ability should be and how it is important in the greater whole and the greater good of the Jewish people. We call mokom you need to know. You're all part of one larger group of people, of this, um, this nation that we call Klal Yisrael, that we call the children of Israel, that we refer to as Knesset Yisrael. That is so important. You may have unique abilities, but nevertheless, those unique, unique abilities pull together to become part of a greater whole. I want to end with a beautiful piece from my grandfather's Sefer, Mikdash HaLevi. Reuven, back to Reuven, Reuven b'choyri ato koichi v'reishis oni yeser se'es v'yeser oz. You know that Reuven, as it sounds like, is getting chastised. He's getting rebuked. He's being reproached by his father, Yaakov Avinu. Says my grandfather, Rav Yosef Tzvi HaLevi Dunar, his Sefer, Mikdash HaLevi, we just published the sixth edition of this Sefer. I don't know if it's uh, yet available in a bookstore near you, but I would seek it out. It's one of the most wonderful Sfarim, the Parsha, that is available. It's so easy to understand. The Hebrew is very easy, and the ideas that my grandfather conveys in this Sefer are so special and so wonderful. We see that when Yaakov approached his children and brought them in so that he could bless them before he died, he turns to his three eldest children and he gives them really tough language, very severe, very difficult. He's not easy on, he doesn't give them an easy time. He tells Reuven that he's hasty and he tells Shimon and Levi that they didn't behave nicely when it came to the story of Shechem, they murdered the entire city. He's not happy with them, at least in the literal understanding of the word, says my grandfather. 
we, we should be stunned at this. These are presented to us as brachas. Really? These are the blessings that he gives his children before he dies? They don't sound like blessings at all. He tells them off. You're calling them in. You're about to die. You're telling them off. Give them a blessing. Just give them a straight blessing. The things that he said to them cannot be possibly interpreted as blessings. Obviously, putting aside the Chasam Sofer's interpretation, which isn't literal, but which is drush. If you look at the translation, the words, he's giving them a tough time. Perhaps what he's saying to them is a curse. He's telling them that they're useless, that they're nebuchs, that they can never succeed in life because of the way that they've behaved, and they're going to go forward and be totally unsuccessful. To my grandfather's presenting these brochas, he's saying, how is it possible to understand them as brochas at all? We're seeking out, when we look at these words, we'd like to think that when Yaakov is about to die, and in these moments, Yaakov is about to depart from his sons, we would talk about their qualities, how great they are, how marvelous they are, and not talk about the fact that they're useless and terrible, and that they've done everything wrong. And we see that that's exactly what he did after Ruvain, Shimon and Levi. For the rest of the sons, he speaks very nicely about them. So why does he give these first three children such a tough time? And how can we interpret that as being a bracha? Venera says, my grandfather in his sefer, Mikdash HaLevi, Shebracha Gadoila Birech Yaakov Esbonov. The Yaakov gave his sons an incredible bracha. An incredibly powerful bracha. Shekain af shalemaris ayinira lonu kitoichacha galuya. Even though it appears to us just in the basic understanding of the words that he's reproaching them and rebuking them, giving them a tough time. It seems to us the complete opposite of what we would define as a blessing. In fact, that's not the way it is at all. Do you know what? The, you want to know what the greatest blessing is? It's this it's this rebuke that Yaakov gives his children, exposing them to their greatest flaws, to the difficulties that they encounter in their personality that brings them to do the things that they shouldn't be doing. Who, if Sharlahem but because he's saying it to them now, they're going to really listen to him. The father is on his deathbed, and he's saying to them, "Listen, I want to tell you something. You know what your vulnerability is." Pachas kamaim, he says to Ruvain. You know what you are. You're somebody who's a little too hasty. You want to have blessings in your life. Stop being so hasty. And what about Shimon and Levi? Do you know what your problem is? You're violent. You have a, you have a bad temper. You're people who do things which are violent and aggressive because you don't control your temper. Do you want to be successful in life? you want a bracha in your life? Stop losing your temper. Stop getting so angry. It's, that's what it means. If From now on, because they know what they've done wrong, they're going to be enabled to do the right thing for the future. They'll be worthy of a blessing forevermore. Sometimes the best thing that we can hear is the thing that we least want to hear. Sometimes what we need to hear in order to have blessings in our lives are the things that that uh, ensure that we are never going to be blessed. 
because we behave in a particular way that prevents us from achieving our best version of ourselves. And the greatest blessing that Reuven could hear was that he was a pachaz kamayim. You know what? Reuven needed to hear those words from his father at this seminal moment, at this important moment. He needed to hear, I have a problem. And therefore, if I want to be blessed, I've got to go to therapy and deal with that problem. I've got to make sure that that problem is no longer a problem. That is the greatest blessing of all. Sometimes we need to confront our vulnerabilities, our weaknesses, so that we can really tap into our strengths and be, be the strongest version of ourselves that it is possible to be. Thank you so much for listening. I wish you uh, all the best. And in anticipation of Shabbos, Shabbat Shalom, I look forward to you joining me for a future Parsha Shem.